to the second episode of the Collegiate Cornhole Podcast. You are joined with Jagger Pfeiffer and Corey Riddle. Corey, how's your week been this week? It has been a great week, to be honest with you, Jagger. I've had, all I've done is work and hung out and played some cornhole. So there you go. You've been, been to play cornhole. You've been to any, you play cornhole it's a good day. Yeah, that's exactly right. You've been in any tournaments? Been throwing any tournaments here lately? No, there hasn't really been a whole lot going on around me. There's a regional coming up this weekend, so. There you go. Are you going to go play in that? Um, I'm actually not going to be able to make it, but um, one of the members of the Cornhole Club is actually going to make it, so we're going to see how he does. There you go. Did you get a chance to watch the pro shootout this weekend? I did. That was a very t- tough field to be in this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, both the open and the uh, – uh, the shootout was pretty interesting. Have Jamie yeah. Gry win in the singles, or Jamie Graham win in the singles, and Eric Davis and Brett Guy win in the doubles. What what stood out to you this week with the uh, open and the shootout? Uh, I mean, if you think about it, nobody uh, nobody's even heard of Eric and uh, Brett Guy this year. They've been on the low. They haven't. They haven't been performing as, like they did last year. Last year they were, I think, what a top five team, mm-hmm. and they beat uh, Jamie Graham and Matt Guy in the pro shootout championship match. And then this year they came out and they haven't played it up to their standards. So I think that was a big shock to everybody to see them. I mean, and obviously Jamie Graham has been playing the best he has in the last couple of years. So that was not a big surprise, but definitely good to see them get back on the big stage. It's exactly. J- Jamie Graham was able to take home uh, shootout ch- championship for the fir- first one this uh, past weekend. Kind of proven to us finally why he's still the number one pro- player uh, taking home that singles championship. Um, so uh, the Open. Now, I think I think this is the first time this has happened, but 12-year-old Alex Hicks taking a – Trifecta sweep, doubles, singles, and blind draw at the open. What What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, this is absolutely the first time that there has been a trifecta sweep. I was watching around the lead uh, by Trey Ryder and Shell and Anthony Allen, and I was listening to their podcast, and then Trey said that this is the first time it's ever happened. And along with that, this is also the first time that a person has won two open singles events in the same season. So, he got the name for a reason, baby go. So, he's definitely coming out swinging on everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Alex Six is an animal this year coming out and beating up on everybody. I mean, Absolutely. Taking, Absolutely. taking down, I mean, Devin Harbaugh in the championship. And, I mean, just looking at all these. I mean, even the, in the Open, he actually takes down our co- fellow college player, Kobe Costanza, in the in the blind draw event, Costanza getting second with uh, Riley. Uh, I can't pronounce the last name. Nutson, Riley Nutson, and but Alex Hicks. Uh, he draws Jordan Campbell, which is a really good draw, especially for a, a blind draw. But I mean, still able to go all the way and take home the blind draw championship. There is pretty awesome. But and I, I have a question: Would Alex Hicks win the pro shootout if he was able to attend it and per, uh, participate in it? That is pretty interesting question. I mean, 
I, I think it's one thing we still haven't seen him make it to the big stage yet at na- national events. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see how he performs, especially as he get, gets older. Um, I've, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see how he progresses. I think one thing I think we had talked about earlier this week was he's only 12 years old. What happens in the four or five, I mean, 10 years. In 10 years, the kid's only going to be 22 years old. I'm 20 right now. And to imagine doing and playing at that high level for 10 years, that's that's pretty insane. Do you think he's going to be able to keep up this level of play as he gets older? I think it's only going to get better because he's only going to get stronger. He's only going to get more accurate. He's only going to get more precise with it, I think. Do you think he's going to eventually take down Matt Guy as the current greatest of all time? Do you think he's going to overtake him? I don't know about that one. That one's a hard one. That's a very hard one to answer because Matt Guy's been doing it for 20 years. I mean, so that's a hard one to answer. I mean, if you think about it, in 20 years, Alex, like I said, Alex is only going to be 32 years old. And imagine being a player at that high level for 20 years. That's that's insane. I mean, and especially a, a sport like Cornhole, he can be playing at a high level for the rest of his life. I mean, take Damon Dennis. I mean, look at him. I mean, imagine cool. if Alex Six plays at that level until – he is as old as Damon Dennis. That would be insane. It's it's just crazy. Do you? But one thing about it is he is still only twelve years old. Do you think he gets burnt out? That that's a question I was talking to. I think with my partner, I was like, Alex Hicks is an absolute killer on the board. But the question is, does he get burnt out before he, you know, before he gets twenty two, before he gets whatever, you know, does he get burnt out on it? Exactly. I mean, he hasn't even gone through puberty yet. I mean, come on. He, he's got he's got literally the rest of his life ahead of him. I mean, I mean, that's just, I, I guess that's just the thing. I mean, I think that's definitely a possibility that he does get burnout, but it's just something time will tell. I mean, the kids, the kids crazy good. You know, you mentioned that. Will he be better than Matt Guy? Will he be the greatest of all time? Matt Guy has 17 titles alone right now. Matt, uh, Baby Goat's already at five, I believe, if I'm correct with that. Five. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, he, he got three a little, he got three last week alone. And then he That's got the, he got the uh, open at Virginia Beach against Matt Guy to be Zach. That, that's insane. I, I definitely think if he can stick with it, like he's, He's definitely going to be up there. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it. Um, Absolutely. So, from the open standings this past weekend, we have a couple of our own, our own college players that ha- had some pretty good showings. We had uh, Kobe Costanza getting uh, – he's tying fifth in his uh, open level one – or, yes, open level uh, one singles bracket. So he got fifth in that, which I mean, anybody that's seen the kid play, I mean, that's not really a surprise. He, he's, if he doesn't make a run at 
pro this next year, I'm going to be very surprised. He is definitely at that level. I, speaking I mean, of, speaking of that, I like yeah, I mentioned I've been watching around the league with Trey Ryder and everybody, and that's that's one of their top people they talk about quite a bit about becoming a pro this coming year. You know, is Kobe Katanza because obviously he won the singles national championship at you know Motor Beach, so he definitely got the potential. Yeah, I mean, he's up there playing with people like Ryan Smith. I mean. Matthew Creek Killer, Ryan Windsor. I mean, th- those those are guys that he placed above and with. It's just crazy to see him at that level. I mean, and I think all of us that were at Myrtle Beach this last year definitely understood that he is at that level right now. I mean, if you look at his conference and his region, and you see videos of him that he posts all the time, he's playing with Tyler Cobb, Tubby Cobb, Tyler Cobb, Trey Hunt, you know. He's playing with the big pros a lot. Exactly. So, also, uh, he also plays second in the advanced blind draw bracket, as I mentioned earlier. And our boys from Texas A&M, Ryan Fillingham and Logan Chamberlain, got second in their uh, in their bracket for doubles. And I believe that is open level two doubles. They got second. Yeah, open level two doubles. They got second. Uh, losing out to Noah Wooten and Hunter Thorne. So, I mean, but they also uh, placed above James Baldwin and Cheyenne Renner in that same open level bracket. So, I mean, just right there. That, that's some big names. That, that's another guy that, I mean, we all, we all watched him kind of kind of make his ESPN debut, Lil, Lil Logan Chamberlain there. And we all, we all got, got to watch him just – tear it up at Myrtle Beach this last year. Absolutely. One of the massive people I'll ever talk to as well. <laughs> yeah, he's a super, super cool guy. Super cool guy. We'll have to get him on the on the podcast here pretty soon. <laughs> so, yeah. so with that, we have uh, we've seen these guys come from these clubs like i mean like right uh like logan chamberlain and also ryan Fillingham come from these clubs like this and that's where they've been able to develop because like, they both go to texas a&m and college station so how did how did you get started Corey, at uh cumberland's how, how did how did you get your your club started i just you know one day, just shot in the wind, hoping to get something big, and I, I hit. So, just, you know, went and talked to the NMEO director. was like, hey, Josh, you know, that's speaking of the NMEO, his name's Josh. Uh, I just went up to him. I was like, hey, how you doing? You know, my name's Corey. Introduced myself. I was like, you know, been playing a lot of cornhole around here. Like, you know, I would like to try to start a club in potential for, you know, expanding, you know, like have more activities around college, you know, such and such. And just going out and, you know, as far as funding the club, going out and get donations, going to these small businesses that would support the college, trying to raise money, go play in tournaments, host tournaments. So basically just trying to find somebody that's interested in playing and just shoot with it. Exactly. You know, just reaching out to other people and getting a lot of help. Uh, The other people that I reached out to would be Matthew Winneman from uh, Colorado. Well, that, that's great. That's good, especially since we're having him on the podcast today. That, that's awesome. We get to talk to him. 
And I think my situation was a little bit different coming at a uh, from a D1 perspective, kind of a larger college, because it seems like it, it was a little bit easier. You had like less red tape you had to go, go through. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. At, at bigger schools, it's often a lot more difficult just because you have you have so many clubs that have to be vetted and through all the different process. Personally at Oklahoma state, uh, I kind of just had the idea and I took it to our campus life, um, council and they told me I had to write a constitution and find at least 20 people to sign a petition that they were interested in, in starting a club. And along with all this, I had to find an advisor and all that. And I think finding an advisor is probably your hardest obstacle, especially at a bigger school, just because you have so many professors that are, for one, they're already involved in clubs that are, I mean, at Oklahoma State, there's a club for almost literally anything. We have anything from Quidditch to uh, hip hop dance club, and wow. everything in between, man, it's, it's crazy. We, and then you have, and that's just the sport clubs. And then you have all your just non-sport clubs, like there's a bunch of nonprofit clubs and things like that. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of professors at OSU, but there's also a lot of clubs. And then the professors that are willing to participate in those clubs are really few and far between to find so it just takes a lot of just plugging away to just making connections to find those people that want to i think that's the hardest thing when starting a club in general and then after you can start a club it's finding a space and finding the people that want to come out and throw and i think finding the people was honestly one of my easier things to do just because um at a university like Oklahoma state, it's, you have a lot more people to choose from, which I'm sure Corey, it's probably a different situation since you're dealing with not, not as many people. Absolutely. I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, which I could be, I think our college only has around three to 4,000 people. There's some high schools that are bigger than that. So it's very hard to find people that are very, who want to be active. And a lot of the, a lot of the population is, uh, athletes like baseball, football. Football has like over 150 players. I mean, small college, but we still have a lot of football players. Uh, baseball, there's like 80 pitchers alone. So, like, our baseball team has over 100-something people, you know. So, they're, they're like, really busy with sports and stuff. And then and then another thing, a lot of uh, people just come there to be teachers. So, they're super busy with their homework or come there to be nurses. So, I mean, everybody's pretty busy with stuff. So, it's hard to find people that are interested and willing to, you know, put time, make time and, you know, come to play cornhole. Yeah, exactly. And so I think after you find the people that and a place to throw, I think your biggest thing is, like you said, kind of getting the money to get boards and stuff. Because, I mean, as we all know, boards and bags are good good boards and good bags are essential to being able to really expose the people to actual competitive cornhole. And so yes. in that, I, I just found, so in Stillwater, we didn't have a local league. I essentially made, made our local league is our cornhole club. So we have people from the community come out and throw, throw with us on campus, which is really awesome. But 
I, I contacted leagues in Oklahoma City. They helped us set up fundraisers. And then we got in contact with people that we knew to kind of help us get sponsorships. And we put them on the back of our jerseys. And all this in a space of about three or four months, just getting everything like that done. Uh, whenever we actually got the club set up to throw weekly, just have practices and, and things like that. So after wow. that, we uh, we started getting sponsors and things like that, and we got three, four, or five sets of boards really quick after you get get that first sponsorship cycle. And then after that, it's going to count. It kind of levels off. And then you start making plans to go to like big national tournaments and get getting people like that. So what was your experience on taking your trip to Myrtle Beach, the National College Coral Championship? It's quite an expensive trip because you're down there for a week pretty much. So you got to consider you got to pay for gas. I mean, some people's uh, cases are different. You know, some people fly, but it, even then you still have to find you know a way to get to and from. So, I mean, it's quite expensive. So, you have to fundraise and fundraise and fundraise to get money and stuff. So, it's a it's a long process, but it's well worth it in the end. How many people were you able to take to the uh, to Myrtle Beach? Uh, my first year, which was 2020-2021 college, uh, was uh, we took eight people that year. And then last year, everybody just either dropped out transferred or you know didn't come back so we were down to two people out of the wow. eight wow. so we ended up finding two girls that were pretty halfway decent and they were like you know what we we can go and we're like okay well then you know y'all can come with us and we'll go to motor beach so that's it, it was a four four man crew this year so hopefully we're hoping to get the numbers up this year well that's good that's really good so our our first year was the same same. It was this, this past year, the 21-22 uh, uh, NCCC, and we we had an average of 25 people coming to our practice every day, and we had a lot of people that wanted to come, so I, I was able to secure um, two four-man bids for free from the ACL, um, and through that, I knew I was going to take eight people, but I wanted to take another four just, just to come in and experience it because I knew, I knew those next four will be going to be really good and possibly be one of our next eight to go maybe next year. So I, right. I was able to take 12 throwers this past year. We, we raised enough money just from all of our fundraising and our sponsorships. And we drove from Stillwater to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, straight through with two cars. And let me tell you what, that'll be the last time I do that, that <laughs> it was, it was quite an experience. Yes. It, it was, it was, uh, very very long drive <laughs> to say the least it was pretty uh I, I don't know what the exact word is to put it but it was pretty eventful yeah exhausting yes exactly exhausting and so when we got there we we performed not as well as we hoped we would but i think i was pretty proud of our performance we had a team get top 16 and get on the live and the doubles and then we got third in the, the team event uh, which was pretty awesome to see. We lost out to both uh, Georgia Southern and Texas A&M in a team event, and those two teams were both very good. I, I think 
I think we can definitely challenge them this, this next year. But again, I mean, hats off to them. They, they were pretty phenomenal. They were solid. Yes, they were. I actually got a chance to play uh, your buddy Riley R- Richmond over there. And uh, a funny, funny story on that. I was uh, so for people who haven't went and played at the NCCC or any um, ACL open type of event for your uh, rounders, uh, you have um, 10 rounds to, and it's whoever is the top scoring at the end of the 10 rounds instead of first 21. Or it's also, if you get to 21, you obviously win. So through about five or six rounds, I was up solidly on Riley. And and uh, he was throwing, I think, uh, what what I know there were uh, Cornhole Solutions bags they were character, uh, 77s. character 77s and I'm throwing uh, a, a TC bag from our, around our area and I was throwing good blocks and everything and I was I was doing good uh, I was hitting my cut shots and he was missing and I got up to a solid lead I think it may have been like 10 to like three or four or something solid especially for a rounders event and I lost it in the last three rounds and he beat me on the last round. And that was, that was pretty excruciating just to watch the lead just, just fizzle away. <laughs> I played one of your guys now that I think about it. I can't remember. I think his name was Tyler, maybe. Yeah. Tyler Davis. He was actually my, my partner. See, I played, I played against him and we were tied going into the last round. <laughs> and then we tied that round and we went into overtime. Wow, really? Yeah, and he ended up beating me by one because my cut shot did not cut. <laughs> Looks like I, I I taught him well. He's actually one of the guys that we developed in house. So that's a that's a good proud moment that he was able to uh, <laughs> to beat you. Yeah, I was not having a year that year. <laughs> it, was just, it was not. Yeah, it's, it was not for me. It's pretty overwhelming walking in there to. Uh, there's something like 64 sets of boards in the place and you're facing a lot of people. <laughs> so it it's pretty overwhelming the first time, but I'm, I'm pretty, I think we'll be prepared for this, this next time that we go. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think a lot of it was that I had a lot of pressure because like, the, if you know, Bernie neighbors was like the top five to watch rally, Richmond, Corey Riddle. And I just like, I was like, I got to do good. I got to do good. And I think that put too much pressure on me. You know, I I watched that I watched that session and I didn't remember seeing your name and I you know what it just dawned on me that you were on there. I'm kind of offended that Bernie didn't put any one of our teams on there. I was I was I was using that as fuel to our guys like we we got to be on there. <laughs> right. And our our other girls team, Trey Ryder put them on his top five to watch because they were the first all girl team to compete in the event. Oh really? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think a lot of the I think Bernie and Trey I think they didn't know as much about college cornhole and I think that's our job to definitely inform them going into this next year of who to watch because I think I I know they had um I don't think did they have Costanza on their list yeah. I don't yes they had, oh, they they had Costanza on their singles and they also had Logan Chamberlain and Brett Bird. Yeah, I, so I knew they had Logan Brett. I, I knew they had Zach Owens, and I don't think Zach Owens yeah. ended up placing. Yeah, he uh, he actually did. Him and uh, Jake Brennan actually uh, got in doubles. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. 
Yep. Yeah, me and Tyler were were tied with uh, Zach and his partner in rounders, and it was one of the most hard fought games I've ever played in my life. It was a lot of fun. We lost just barely going into the tenth round, so I was I was pretty proud to at least put play them close. Right. Uh, they lost to Ben Brown and Luke Slusher from EKU on the uh, ESPN broadcast. Oh, yep. That's right. I, I, I do remember that. Yep. Okay, so we are now joined with Matthew Linneman from the Colorado Cornell Club. How, how, are you, how are you today, Matt? I'm doing pretty good. Just went on a very long walk this afternoon. Just enjoying <laughs> life. Awesome. So we've are you been talking about college. Oh, yeah. Very, very excited to be done <laughs> on the bigger and brighter things, you know. <laughs> so we've been talking about starting cornhole clubs today. And so you created the nation's first official cornhole, correct? Uh, I don't know if it was the first official, but the, the first one at a large campus that like got some traction, I suppose. <laughs> but yes, uh, I guess I did. So how did you get started uh, with CU Cornell? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty simple story. Basically, I was just on the couch watching like the NCC. I don't remember what year it was now. Would that have been fall of 2019? Um, fall of 2019? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, so it would have been like, the first one. Yeah, so I was watching that on TV and I was like, wow, this is awesome. I didn't even realize that like there was like an organized college cornhole. And I was like, gosh, that would be so big at CU. I see people playing cornhole all the time. Like, I've played cornhole. Like, how is this not a club? So I went to the club directory, looked it up, and I was like, wow, this doesn't exist. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of the similar story as you two. Basically, you go to the club office, you get all the paperwork down, and that's kind of what I did just by myself. And uh, I know Lincoln's not on the podcast today. Lincoln's my – uh the the robin to my batman as some have called him uh, but uh but lincoln I, I wasn't friends with lincoln at the time so basically i was just like i'm starting a cornhole club to a bunch of people in class and that's kind of how it started just that was like our little group and went out and tossed on the main field and slowly we got more and more people and then we went to the club fair and it just exploded yeah <laughs> yeah i i have a similar situation so our our big event was our first year club fair. And man, yep. I I'm excited to see what happens on our second year club fair. Cause we got 90% of our members right now are from that first mm-hmm. year. Yeah. And I'm y'all, super made some pretty good experience. y'all made a good appearance at ESPN or, you know, or not ESPN, but y'all made a good run at uh, national. So that's obviously going to attract more people as well. Exactly. So, uh, at your peak, what was the highest amount of members that you guys actually had? At our peak, that's interesting because we clearly haven't peaked yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it depends on the day. I would say, like, usually the biggest day is, like, the day after the club fair. That is, like, mm-hmm. the day that we just do numbers. And, like, the way that we've always planned it is that we do club fair and then we have, like, our big fall tournament, like, a week after that. So we always just, that's just our time. So I don't know how many people like max that we've ever had at a practice, but our largest tournament has definitely still been like the 80, the first year. I think this year we had like 70 people 
So that's kind of, I think, like the max, like the critical mass that CU can support. But uh, with like the Instagram takeoff this spring, I have no idea what this like next fall is going to be like. I feel like people will know the club before they get to campus for the first time. So we might have people like seeking us out upon arrival. So who yes. knows? And now we have an insane amount of boards too. We can handle the capacity. We've got like eight sets now. So it's like <laughs> that's pretty good. I know, I know we're sitting solid on I think six sets right now. Yeah. And and which is pretty awesome. Um, so you had mentioned your uh, uh Instagram blow up. You want to explain <laughs> to us the situation that went down Man, on that? <laughs> I, I wish Lincoln was here because he can he can really give it the uh the I was there story. I'm going to give you the story of me watching it unfold though, which is still pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but basically, you know, it, this was after nationals, uh, this, this year. So basically kind of like a, a lull in like what we do, like we don't have like any meetings during that time. It was like winter break and, uh, Lincoln was running our Instagram, which had like 300 followers at the time, just mostly people that have been in, in the club. And, uh, he decided to pick a fight with like Barstool, like CSU Barstool, they posted something about CU being trashed. And he was like, he's like, you guys don't have a, a cornhole club. <laughs> and then they went into our DMs and they did like a little battle in the DMs. And it was, and, you know, Lincoln being the great social media person he is, just played it all up, started making like T-shirts and all this jazz. And <laughs> I mean, it was a media blitz. I mean, we went from almost no followers to literally being the talk of the campus. It was pretty wild. Like, and with the t-shirts he sold, like random people were wearing them. Like I was in Target and there was just a guy wearing a, a cornhole shirt. It's like, I, who are you? I know everyone that's like ever shown up. <laughs> like that's that's so, awesome. That that, that, was, that that's an awesome story. <laughs> I I think that's a goal for any cornhole club, just to be able to, for one, pick a fight with your rival. <laughs> like just the amount that I was seeing whenever that was going on, yeah. it was just cracking me up. Just be able to say, go, go get them. And then, and then the marketing ability from Lincoln, like oh yeah, being able to see the opportunity and just, it really yeah. made your Instagram explode. And exactly like being able to just see random people on campus, just talking mm -hmm. Cornell club. Like that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And I, I really think that'd be a really good way just for people like maybe not picking a fight with your rival school, but being able to get on those kind of so social media channels to really promote your club. Cause I don't know how it is at like say a Cumberland's or a smaller school, but I know for a fact bar stools, bar stool and old row accounts at, I know at least at my school and obviously CU as well are very, very big. There's, most of the people that go to Oklahoma State either follow or both follow the Old Row and Parcel accounts. So I think being able to get access to those channels is just going to maximize. And it's also your target audience. College yep. kids like to drink. <laughs> Very well, I can, I can say this on the Cumberland part. It is so <laughs> hard to get people to follow you on social media. I have people like, you all got a corner I'm like, yes, very much. Like, we'd be playing in the, mid, uh, the middle of the BCC, which is, like, dead center campus, where everybody gets food at. They're like, what are y'all doing? Playing cornhole? What does it look like? <laughs> I'm like, y'all got a club? We're like, yes, we have a club. We've been here for two years now. <laughs> That's it's, it's, it's so hard to get people out of these small schools. Yeah. I have, like, I have staff and 
uh, professors and stuff are like, y'all have a cornhole club? What's that? <laughs> That's hilarious. I've had I've had some of our international staff and students just stop by and like, mm-hmm. like, what is this? Like, like they'll first they'll sit back and just watch, and they'll be like, okay, like they're trying to understand what's going on. Then I was like, hey guys, what's going on? It's like, uh, you guys ever play cornhole? Like, nope. And really, it was like, you guys want to play? Like, yeah, sure. So they'll hop in, and obviously, it's their first time ever playing cornhole. So I mean, they're not—they're not the best, but they just—they have the best time. Like they—they're they're out there just living the best life, throwing those bags, and it's—it's it's so fun to watch. So, Matt. So after uh, creating the first D one cornhole club officially, how? how were you able to get in contact with the ACL about like, especially doing more college stuff and especially getting, uh, starting the ACL college coronal council. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's a tale as old as time. It it always starts with boards, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and we were having a big logistical issue in terms of like getting boards at the time through the school because the school they wouldn't fund us like getting boards unless they could be stored on campus. And we couldn't find anyone that would take us like in our early days. Mm-hmm. Like, so I reached out to like the ACL sometime that spring of, uh, yeah. Yeah. 2020. And I eventually got Bernie talked to Bernie. He was super excited to hear that we actually had a club. He hadn't heard of us before. Don't blame him. <laughs> You're still fairly new at this time. Yeah. And uh, you, you, you should have heard Bernie whenever I said, hey, Bernie, I'm, a, I'm at an NAI school in Southeastern Kentucky. He's like, where's that at? I'm like, exactly. <laughs> hey, you know, Cumber- it, Cumberland's pretty relevant. Uh, it was in a tax case that I looked at in class. There's a Cumberland's tax case. Pretty, pretty interesting. I won't bore you with taxes, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cumberland's a big city, you know? <laughs> Um, what was I saying? Yeah. So that's kind of how I like talked to Bernie, the ACL the first time. And then I was looking into internships and stuff in the spring and COVID happened and I was like, okay, wow, I got nothing to do. And I was, I've been super passionate about cornhole started the club and I talked to Bernie and it didn't really seem like they had a whole lot going on in terms of like the college side of stuff. So I just basically sent Bernie an email and I was like, Hey, I'd love to like help you guys out, work for you guys this summer. Like, would that be a possibility? Bernie was like, oh, yeah, sure. And <laughs> then I sat down like a week later with like all the ACL guys, you know, like Trey and uh, yeah, some other people in there. And uh, that's just kind of how I got in. <laughs> that's kind of how I got the internship. Using really? the, the club that I had. I know it's not a great story. It's pretty, pretty basic, you know. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I love it. I mean, it's, it's a success story as far as I'm concerned. So yeah. Uh, when did Bernie come up with the idea of, of starting the council officially? Was it just through so, those channels? So actually that was me. So oh, I really? came up with, yeah, I pitched the idea. Actually, I had the, I still have the PDF. Um, so <laughs> again, I was super stoked. I mean, I made like, I was, I mean, I was, I had, I had this stuff written down before I even talked to the ACL, just like what I thought they should do. And the second they were like, okay, yeah, you're fully on board for the summer. I, pumped out like a five page like basically what i think should be done in college cornhole and that was like the number one thing that i put was like we need to be trying to create some sort of organization because again that's my big thing with college cornhole and it's getting better by the day still which i always gets me excited but like 
when we started, we were the only club. We were isolated by ourselves. Like mm-hmm. the future of co- college cornhole is so high, but it's like, it's about like connecting clubs and creating like an actual organization around it. So that was kind of the idea behind the college cornhole council. Cause I knew Peyton, I knew a couple other people had started clubs and it was like, how do we start to bring that together and start helping the ACL create something instead of just running nationals, you know? Exactly. And especially, I think when you go back and look at those first, like in NCCCs, it was, it was, wasn't really clubs or anything. It was just, it was like alumni and it was, it was like alumni and student tournaments. And some of them are a little hard to watch, but it's okay. That first (laughs) one's very hard to watch. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's just like, it's like, well, that's where we started. And, well, I think compared, you said it was 2018, right, Corey? It was the first NCCC. Yes, I do believe so. So that compared to the 21-22 NCC, it is a massive jump. You have oh, absolutely. You have from four, uh, four bags on the board. Somebody just trying to hit an airmail, and it miraculously goes into Kobe Costanza rolling the bag every single shot, and is going yeah. to be pro next year. So yeah. it's. It's just – it's a massive leap, and obviously you've had a major role in being able to really organize it. And I, I think it's awesome to be able to see where it's going. And I think, especially from our, our point of view, I think we – all three of us can see that it's it's on the horizon. Absolutely. You know, jumping back to that, Matt, you know how you said you're trying to grow the cornhole in college and stuff. I have actually been reaching out to all the colleges around Kentucky and trying to get them to start – a uh, Kentucky Collegiate Cornhole Association. Just, you know, all the colleges in Kentucky getting together once a month or every other month. I'm trying to, you know, start our own thing in Kentucky and then eventually expand out and go like to Tennessee and like Ohio, surrounding states and try to like, you know, go help them. We've we've actually been planning on maybe doing a tour around Kentucky and going to colleges and be like, you know, this is how you start it. This is how you do it. You know, if you have any questions, holler back at us. Exactly. See, that's that's just so awesome, though. Yeah. Like that's how the game is gonna grow. It doesn't grow by like individuals. Like it grows with groups. You know. Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. I have one. I mean, as, as in my case, it started with individual, and I was like, you know what? I need to find some people. Yeah. So like it starts out, but then you gotta have a group. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I think me and Matt, we've we've had that vision of seeing like the. Midwest conference cornhole. We we've had that vision ever since I talked to him on the phone for the first time back in, uh, had to be, man, when was it? It was like the spring of spring of two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It it was, it was quite a long time. It was my, it was a spring semester of my first year. So I, I know that. So, I mean, it was, it was definitely definitely a vision that we've had and I think that's something that we're all actively working towards. I think we've got we've got a couple more hurdles to uh, mm-hmm. hit before we're able to really hit that running. but I mean it's something that I know I'm working every day on trying to find ways to get the word out for the, this kind of stuff. And I think the hardest thing, especially at the D1 level is, being able to establish these clubs just because 
it is so hard to like we can't personally go in there and just say hey we, we want to start a clinical club no you have to be a, a member of the body uh, of of the student body and then you can go and start that cornhole club and then usually those processes processes to start that club is usually very long and drawn out full of red tape and once you get there then it blows up but it's just the process of getting there and so i think it's our job as kind of like these uh ambassadors for ACL and the collegiate cornhole as a whole to be able to stick with those people when we find them to actually get them to come out and play with. Yeah, no, exactly. I think we're all really excited to see where it can go, uh, especially with, I, I'm really hoping eventually that it becomes a recognized sport at every campus. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate goal. I think, I think the ultimate goal of pro cornhole right now is to see actual pro players, people like them earning enough money to be full-time pro players with no jobs, no anything that that's our full-time job. I think that is the goal right now for uh, cornhole for professional cornhole for, for starters, but the goal for collegiate corner right now is to be a recognized sport at the college level uh, to to all of these these schools and i think we're getting a we're getting a start right now i mean we've seen that one college and that one college in ohio has actually hired a coach and is actually starting a team and i think i think we're all excited to see where that goes especially at that small level and then from there we can really see how it progresses absolutely i think it's a great start you got to start somewhere everywhere i mean Nothing ever starts out automatically, so everything's a process. Everything's going to be long, but as you, you know, you mentioned, everything's it's it's definitely in the horizon. It's definitely going uphill, as we've seen. I'm not sure how many players are there, but I mean, how many like could be pro players were there at the collegiate tournament this year? Definitely, there's been many. I mean, especially from uh, the two uh, 2020 21. Uh, collegiate tournament that NCCC there was several players from that player pool that actually went pro I believe I was Austin Schlobaum's final year of eligibility and then you have um, Blaine Rozier going and balling out just becoming going off and then you have Matt Linneman performing at the highest level on ESPN for the uh, pro amateur <laughs> section of the uh, NCCC for the 2020 year. <laughs> and somebody that you're forgetting is uh, Draven Snead. He also turned pro after that. Oh, you're right. You're, you're exactly oh, right. Yeah. I, I did forget about Draven Snead. So, Matt, tell us about the ESPN experience uh, uh, no. being on. All right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was pretty bad. I mean, <laughs> I will I will know it's only been better. I've only gotten better since then. And uh, we were actually doing a tournament at the, we did, did like a tournament at the Pepsi center, like the, the nuggets. Like, oh yes. Thing. And yes. we, I actually played pretty well at it. Like me and my partner got second place and the, uh, the local director that like helped us run it was basically like, it's like, you come like a long fucking way. <laughs> like he's trying to be quiet <laughs> about it. Like, he's like, he started out, like he wasn't going to say, and I was like, I, I was like, you can tell me like, and, so yeah, so uh, <laughs> I was bottom, and I don't think there's any greater of a bottom 
than just getting your ass just <laughs> on ESPN live for the whole nation. Um, hey, man, I can, take, I I can note, give you though, an excuse here, bro. I can give you an excuse. You had to throw some pro bag that you've never thrown before. That is true. I had not thrown Reynolds before. And again, my partner also didn't play too well, uh, if I remember correctly. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Were Courtney you, Coy. Uh, I was with uh, Courtney Coy. Okay, was, I... Uh, I didn't know if you I, – I forgot who you were with, but I knew she was sponsored by Reynolds, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. I I'm, I won't slander her too greatly, but she was not <laughs> the most, um, let's say, motivational uh, partner. She was <laughs> kind of giving me bad energy beforehand. That being said, I'm super glad my boy Peyton got to go on. I, I, exactly. I, mean, I love Peyton. If, if, I, you both have met Peyton. Peyton, yes. in my opinion, is one of the nicest guys I've met. Yes in college cornhole i mean nothing but love for him so the fact that i was able to gift him a semi-final <laughs> appearance um that's really my greatest accomplishment but uh but yeah that was a that was a fun moment uh, <laughs> i can always say it, though. i can always say i was on espn so. <laughs> exactly that, sometimes you just some... have to take a sacrifice for somebody man and you were the one to take that sacrifice <laughs> exactly it was all planned beforehand the aco doesn't want you to know this but uh that was all that was all rigged um i was supposed to be the shocking upset you know uh i can tell you now since my nda is expired but uh <laughs> you you were the man to take the fall they were like you know what man you got to go out there you got to do that but you know yeah i think you still did great you know they're they're having a time crunch on the broadcast they're like oh man we gotta we need to keep this under two hours uh matt, matt you got to keep this this match what three minutes that sounds good right and i was like oh yeah i got you no problem <laughs> So. Four on the floor coming up. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but it was a great trip though. That was a great nationals. I, I mean, this year's was probably better, like from an overall, but that was a good time. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was fun to watch. I was sitting at home because uh, we hadn't officially got the Cornell Club off the ground yet, and I was like, "There's Matt." I was sitting there watching, and I was yeah. actually. I was actually creating our first logo for the club as I was watching it. I was like, there's Matt. I'm like, I was sitting there watching, like, come on, Matt. And then it was just like, yeah. One on the front board, one off the back. I was like, come on, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> I got one on. I, was, I know I got I was, one on. I was there watching. I was like, come on, Matt. You got this. Come yeah. on. You got this. <laughs> I will know. I did make a few in warm ups, though. I did. I, I swear I made three in in warm up, you know? Hey. Um, it is a different stage. I will also tell you that. Yeah, the ESPN jitters got you. Like, I mean, I can't imagine how nervous you probably were just sitting there thinking, "I'm about to be on national television throwing a bag." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, that's why every time I watch anybody like actually on like the ESPN broadcast, I'm always it's it's just always like, yeah, you do kind of have to have something different, like not just in terms of like your skills, but in terms of like the mental game, just being able to block that out and refocus underrated exactly <laughs> <laughs> i think i think uh one day you will you will be redeemed i'm sure every every dad in the backyard watching you was like i can be on espn if he made it <laughs> that's true yeah that i i think it's awesome that you you at least got for all your hard work you you, you made it on espn i i mean I know that's that that's always been like, man, it'd be awesome to get on ESPN. But I mean, 
I just hope I don't throw four on the floor. <laughs> throw on the, four on the floor. I probably will if I ever get to that stage. So I, I have no room to talk. <laughs> well, not to be that person, but uh, it doesn't matter what the uh, how many you get on the board if you still lose. Because uh, last time I checked, Lincoln still lost his game. So uh, <laughs> we, we technically performed. We technically performed just as well on a national stage if you look at it from a pure. Um, you know, win loss standpoint, like I do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. What uh, goes in the record books is a oh one one. That's it. <laughs> yep. Yep. I, uh, that's pretty awesome. So at least, at least you made it. At least you made it. True. So at this past year's national, to replace the uh, pro am uh, segment, they had a team event, which in in this case. I, I don't. I think it's different from the current team event that the ACL has promoted right now. But in this case, we had doubles team and two singles teams, and it's the best two out of three of those three games. So, Matt, what is your evaluation of how that worked for the college level, and where do you see that going in the future? Yeah, I mean, I thought it went pretty well overall. Uh, we we probably uh, over tried to over strategize, which cost us. Um, <laughs> But I mean, I thought it was a, I thought it was a great event. It was awesome seeing like I think you really get to see the depth of like the teams and the clubs when you do that, especially as we see it like cornhole continue to shift from being just like more of the individuals that it was like three years ago for college cornhole to the clubs. I think it's that that awesome event. You know, it's like we are the best like in the country as a club. Like exactly again, my my most my favorite moment where I almost like I literally got like chills basically. Was like when you you guys were playing A and M, like man, like <laughs> that was just like the grudge match, and it was like you guys both had like a great group of like like you had an awesome like crowd like Oklahoma State. You guys really brought brought the whole the whole school, maybe not, <laughs> maybe not but uh, and A and M a big portion a of our club was, went, and it was just like wow, this this is like what college cornhole could be. You know, it could be like two big schools going at it with like actual spectators you know like so that's to me what doubles and the doubles finals was awesome too like a&m against georgia southern that was a great Mm -hmm. like little comeback because they had to win twice right you can't leave out the little schools now come on don't forget us we're there no (laughs) you you guys are there and it's 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 everybody it's not just the small schools like i mean not small it's not just the big schools cross my words there yeah because you guys were there there's another one that like also was like a pretty from like was it ohio or something yeah, else. That, uh, I that can't remember well. what their name was. They, they were a small school too, though. Yeah. 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 And honestly, yeah. like, again, like, it, like having, like, those team events, they're just – it's just so big. Like, I hope that Marietta? it continues. Oh, it was Marietta. Yeah, yeah. Marietta. Yeah. It yeah. was Marietta. And yeah. who were those boys on on TV, the, the guy that, like, with, the, like, the little step over um, throw – that was another school that like had that was pretty decent, I think. But like, yeah. regardless, uh, that I, that's how you grow the sport is with the with the doubles with the clubs. So I don't know if it's like a perfect like how they like had that format was like hundred percent perfect. I know they're probably always tweaking it and trying to figure out something better. But like, I think the concept of like a teams event is like the future. You know, as I was speaking earlier, you know, I've been listening to the podcast and I was listening to Troy. He was talking about how. The uh, teams event at nationals for college was introducing the uh, teams event for the pros. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's not exactly like because, you know, we don't have 16 people to draft, but we got 
you know, we had the four, so. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think it was a good introduction. I'm glad he used us as an experiment. Yeah. I will say this, like, one thing that I'd like to see is that, like, <laughs> is encouraging, like, the, like, schools to bring more people. I think that was, like, I know Jagger, Jagger's nodding. He, like, I know we, as a school, kind of struggled with that. Like, again, Nationals is a super expensive trip, especially if you're not living right, like, in the Carolinas. I mean, yep. you got to drive quite a ways. We drive like literally three quarters of the country to get out there. We fly three quarters of the country. So it's a hard sell to get a lot of people out to it, you know? So it's like, Absolutely. I hope that like they continue to kind of offer some incentives for like free teams, maybe even further for some like places that have clubs. I think that should always be the priority, but I don't know. Yeah, I think that's the thing they were trying to get at this year because, you know, they were, like, reaching out to us, you know, as a college counselor and be like, you know, you all have done a lot. Y'all you all started. You all the ones just, like, you know, making the game bigger, making everybody realize, oh, there's Cornwall out there. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a big, you know, like, thank you. You're helping us grow. Exactly. Yeah, I like to see that extend outside the council is what I'm saying. Like, besides just helping the, the council get there. Yeah, like, exactly. that's my that's my point. Like, I'd like to see it extend to the Mariettas, you mm-hmm. know, like basically like it, at the very least, it should be extended to anybody that came last year. You know, like any of those clubs or any of those schools that came last year should basically get a free bid like to this year, in my opinion. Absolutely. I, don't know. I, I think that'd be a re- really good thing to de- definitely th- think about, especially if they sell coming from that standpoint. Uh, I definitely think the team event is probably the next thing, especially for um, bigger schools uh, and to actually turn this into a recognized sport. I, I think it is the next next thing for us, the next step in the evolution, uh, just because you can market it as team event. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Matt, thank you for your time. I, I know you have a really big big schedule you're starting your life and finally yeah. graduated uh uh was it last week or the week before that you graduated i, I graduated two weeks ago yep you graduated two, two weeks ago that's awesome yeah that's happy to hear you got got a new job in cleveland yeah be, be uh paying a visit up there and that hey. very active cornhole community and i know Cleveland. That's, yeah should be definitely more active than uh than denver <laughs> exactly exactly well, more than the denver boulder area even denver's yeah. not great but yeah. Yeah, I I think it's going to be awesome and again, I just thank you for your service and everything you've done for College Cornell. I think that's been the biggest thing, been one of the catalysts for it and hopefully me and Corey can kind of uh take the torch and run with it and yep. really develop it into something that after our our four years is done with, we can uh really look back and say we helped College Cornell out as a whole. Exactly. Man, that's right. what it's all about. It's about handing the torches off. So like 40, 50 years from now, we can all look back and be like, wow, we started we this. So Exactly. <laughs> you know, speaking of like taking the torches and stuff, you know, me and Riley, my boss was in the club, like Matt said earlier in the, you know, the podcast, uh, the Batman of Robin, as he said, <laughs> uh, we, we definitely have been like, so involved in the, you know, I kind of mentioned earlier, we're thinking about doing a tour around Kentucky. So we're going to like, you know, go to each college, be like, you know, because we, I, I sent out an email to every college in Kentucky and was like, hey, you know, we're going to try to start, you know, collegiate cornhole within the colleges that way, then maybe we can go to the nationals because 
I mean, Kentucky is known for cornhole. Kentucky is like number one mm-hmm. for cornhole on my list. So I'm trying to take that to the next level with the college. Exactly. I I definitely think college cornhole is on the up and up, and I think everything we've all been able to do is just going to propel even farther. Absolutely. Matt, thank you once again for c- coming on with us. I know it's been a great time. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a blast. We'll see you guys later. Thank you. Yeah.